Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. I want to pray for some more of you here in just a few moments, but I want to release the word that the Lord has for me for you today. I'm going to do it quickly and precisely to the best of my ability or to the best of the ability the Holy Spirit has inside of me, which is amazing. Amen. But I want to talk about, rarely I do this, but I want to talk about the devil for a moment. And so let's go to Isaiah chapter 14, Isaiah 14. And the only reason I want to talk about the devil is because I want to talk about what a loser he is. And I also want to talk about what a non-factor he is. But I also want to talk about why he is like he is. And I know for a lot of people, and for, for myself included, for a long time, it was just like, you know, the devil hates you, he wants to destroy you, and he wants to kill you. And that's true, all, all that's true. And it's true to this day. It's been true for, you know, since his great fall, which is what we're going to read about here. But I always wondered, why? I mean, why does he care to destroy us so much? What has he got in his crawl against human beings? And the truth is, is that he's actually mad at us and he's mad at God. And the reason why he's mad at us is because God made us like he wanted to be. Because we're going to read this in here. And he, and he says that I will ascend to be like the most high God. Do you know that you and I are created in the likeness and the image of God? And Jesus, Jesus has seated us far above all principalities, all powers, all dominions, over all the demonic forces. He's seated us as joint heirs with Christ. Not even below Christ. Now, I'm not saying we're God. Anyone misunderstand me or don't ever think different? We are not God, but we, he has placed us in terms of authority. We are placed on the same level as Jesus. You want to know why the devil's mad at you? You were created in God's image, and you were given God's authority. Why is he mad at God? Because the dream in he, and he had in his heart was to exalt himself, and God crushed his dream and has embarrassed him. Pride comes before the fall, Right? Satan is the ultimate prideful person. And when he fell, it brought great humiliation to him. Now let's look at this here. In chapter 14 of Isaiah, and I was notified that the words up there are not working. And so that's no problem because I know you all brought your Bibles with you today. Isaiah 14 and 12. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. There it is right there. And that's why he's so mad at us. And then this is why he's mad at God. It says, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. So it wasn't like God just said, no, you can't do that. He destroyed him in the midst of it in verse 16. It says, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, 
Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? And so God mocked him with these words. And in the end, it's going to be seen of the enemy that people thought he was so great and we're going to see him and we're going to behold him in all of his glory, which is nothing. I like how one guy I heard say it. He said, the devil is a zero with the rim knocked off. He's less than a zero. He's nothing. And there's been great emphasis placed on dealing with the devil, dealing with the enemy. And I think that it's wrong if we are ignorant of his devices. Because Paul says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We shouldn't be ignorant of Satan's devices. But his devices are not power. He has no power. He's been stripped of his power. His devices are cunningness, craftiness, deceit, lying. Those are the devices of the enemy. And so for saints who are going to overcome the wicked one and walk in the overcoming power that they have over the wicked one, they have to not be ignorant of his devices and they have to stand strong in the power that they have over the enemy. And for people that go into, and there is a place for spiritual warfare, which I'm not going to get into right now. Well, I am a little bit, but not where a lot of people would like to go with it. But there is a place for rebuking the devil. But I can tell you it's a small place in the scope of spiritual warfare. It's a very small place. Because when we go and we're yelling and we're screaming and we're rebuking and we're shouting down, sometimes that's good for us to quicken us and remind us that we do have authority over the devil. But a lot of times people think that they're doing that because they're trying to gain ground over him. If you're trying to gain ground over something you already have gained the ground over, if you're trying to get authority over something you already have authority over, then you've already lost the battle because you're starting off from a position of defeat when God says, no, you're actually, you're already in a position of authority. You just need to see the position you're in. So there is a place for rebuking the devil. I'm not saying that that is wrong, but I'm saying that that is a smaller place. And so when we look at how the enemy has destroyed, because we, see, we read right here, even though he has been brought down, that God has brought him down, he still is one who destroys nations, makes things desolate, ruins people's lives. So how is he doing it? If he doesn't have authority, truly he doesn't have authority. He does not have authority in your home and in your life unless you give it to him. Amen. Amen. And even if he comes into your home, even if he comes into your life, he still doesn't have a right to be there. I heard this from Pastor Bobby years ago, and this made so much sense to me. He said, you know, if you go to the store and you leave your door open and you come home and an intruder went and opened your door because it was unlocked or left open, just because that intruder is in there doesn't mean he has the right to be there. That is your home and you have authority over that, correct? Well, you know, even if you go on vacation for two weeks and you leave your door open for whatever reason and somebody comes in and, and decides that they're going to take up residence in your home while you're gone and you come back and you find them there, do you know that you gave that person not knowing you gave them access to your home, but they still don't have a right to be there? Just because the enemy has come in and has brought some destruction and some things have happened because of his hand and somewhere people believe, believe the lies that he, he told, it doesn't give him the right to be there. 
And so what he's done is he's, is he's come in and brought destruction. And then because the saints don't know their authority, so many don't, don't know their authority, he gets them to believe that he has a right to be there. And you know, naturally, if you didn't know the authority that you have in your own home and somebody came in and said, this is my place and I'm going to stay here, if you didn't know your authority, do you know that they would just go on staying there? I mean, we wouldn't do that in the natural. That's goofy. Everybody knows better than that, but that's what would happen. It's the same thing in the spirit. It's the same thing with the enemy. If we don't know the authority that we have, when he comes in to try and take up resident in any part of our life, in specific the mind, if we don't recognize his schemes, how he got in, why he's there, then we too, fool, we too could be fooled and deceived into thinking that what he's doing, doing or the things that he's saying to us, that somehow he has some kind of right to be there. But I tell you that we're wiser than that in the, in the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so look here in John chapter 10. We know this so well. In John chapter 10. And I have to tell you about a vision that I had. And this was a couple of days ago. And I, at first, I didn't know if it was a vision. I thought it was just me. You know, sometimes you just, you just daydream. And, and it could have started off that, but then the Lord really started to speak to me concerning it. And I was walking through the woods, and I had a vision of a bear, which maybe that was my mind that started there. But where it ended up, God really showed me something really great from this. So I was walking through the woods, and I... And I had a, just a vision in my mind's eye. It wasn't an open vision or anything, but just in my mind's eye of a, of a bear and what I would do if a, if a bear attacked me. And I don't know if anybody thinks about these things like this. If you're in the woods enough, you think about these things because it gets boring when you're in the woods and it just, your mind goes wild. And so, so anyways, and so I was thinking about this and then I could remember hearing this story about a, a father and a daughter who had gotten attacked by a bear and they, they both knew what to do and they played dead. And when they played dead, the, the bear left them alone because bears really aren't after meat so much, that, but they're protective and territorial and that kind of stuff. And so this bear left this mother and father, or, I mean, uh, uh, father and daughter uh, alone, and they survived. And so I started thinking that. And I was just imagining in my mind laying there and playing dead as a, as a bear was trying to attack me. And then it shifted. And this is where I knew it was the Lord. And some of y'all looking at me like, oh, this is weird. Well, I think it's weird when you don't think things like this and let God speak to you. This is how God will speak to you. He speaks to us in pictures. And so when I was in my mind laying there thinking the bear was going to leave me alone, he didn't leave me alone. He started to dismember me and ripped into my flesh like there was no tomorrow. And I was like, oh, and I, I mean, seriously, I was walking down this path through the woods and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, that's exactly what will happen if you, will, if you lay down and don't stand up against the enemy. He will come in and he will dismember you. He will com completely destroy you. And then he took me to John 10, 10, which we know so well, but it says that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and destroy, and this is Jesus speaking, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it in abundance. So then I was thinking, and I began to ask the Lord, and I've asked the Lord this, these questions before about this verse. If the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, what has he come to steal? 
What has he come to kill and what has he come to destroy? First of all, the order that's in that verse to steal, to kill, and to destroy is extremely important because the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 4, it says that the enemy comes in when the seed is sown, the enemy comes in to steal the word. So what's the thing in John 10, 10 that it's talking about that the enemy comes to, to steal or the thief, which is the enemy, what does he come to steal? He comes to steal the word because if the enemy can have the word, he's got you. But if you have the word and you know the word, you've got him. Everything revolves around the word of God. Everything that we do, every moving in the spirit, every song that we sing, every message we preach, everything that we do in our home, every everything revolves around the word of God. Not only his written word, but the word that he's spoken to you. And if God has spoken for you to do something, he's quickened something to you, he's commissioned you to do something, if he can steal that word from you, then it will stop you from doing what God has ultimately called you to do. And I propose to you in here, and this is what I'm going to minister to some of you and pray over you here in just a minute, that some of you in here, many of you in here, you have had your dreams, you've had your visions, You've had things that God has spoken over you that have been stolen from you because the enemy has been allowed to on some level, maybe unwilling, un unbeknownst and unwillingly on your part, the enemy has come in and he has stolen the word that God has for you. And I'm telling you that that is going to be resurrected in here today because God is a God that has a resurrection life and whatever thing has been dead, he's going to bring back to life in the name of Jesus. But see, the enemy comes to steal, and again, it's to steal the word. He ultimately wants to steal the, the written word, which is the power of God. It has everything in it that we'll ever need, but he also specifically wants to steal and rob from you what God has spoken to you over your life. Now, let me make a distinction here, because the enemy isn't worried about stealing your dreams and visions that are outside of God. As a matter of fact, he'll help fulfill those things. This is why in, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, let me read it real quickly so I don't, I don't botch it. But Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then... You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Do you know that you can have good success and you can have bad success? So it basically says right here that this, the, the book of the law, the word of God, will, should not depart, it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate there and day and night. That goes to show you the correlation between speaking and meditating. And when we speak the word, we think about what it is that we're saying. And so we're supposed to continue to say and to speak God's word continually. Let me go back and read that again because I was going somewhere with that. Everybody say, help the preacher, man, Holy Ghost. <laughs> that you may, oh yes, that you may observe to do all according to what is written in it or what God has spoken concerning it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Do you know that if you are agreeing with a word or a direction that God hasn't spoken, you can be successful according to that word, but it not be according to the word that God has for you? People do this all the time. 
This is one of the things that people like probably the least when I say it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it anyways. The vast majority of believers, Christians, born again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, word, faith, prophetic, Holy Ghost, anointed, powerful Christians, the vast majority of them never step into what God has for them. Because they determine their success like the world determines success. The world basically determines success on how much money you make, maybe how nice you are, some good deeds that you can do. And if you can do those kind of things, people will pat you on the back and say, you're doing a good job. You know what I found out? The, the further down the road I go for what God has called me to do and what he's spoken for me to do, the less people like what I'm doing. It's true. This is why the Apostle Paul, when he was commissioned with the gospel, he was so wise. He said, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. You want to destroy what God has for you? Go and tell your family. Go tell your friends. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost showed me. What most people think as being successful really is not successful. But what God deems as successful, that's what we need to really be concerned with. And the only way we're ever going to hear or know that is if our lives are completely sold out and committed to him. And you know what, people, I, I found this, overall, people don't fear change, they fear loss. When they think about, okay, if, and to me, it's nothing to even think about. If I find one little bitty inkling of an element of my life that's not given over to the Lord, I go, Jesus, this belongs to you. I only want what, what you have for me. <laughs> but people fear loss. And they get in their, their thinking and they, they reason things out and they go, well, if I really lay it all at the altar, I might not be able to smoke anymore. Which, man, when you compare Jesus to anything, smoking or drinking or whatever, there's no comparison. Jesus is awesome. And it may not be smoking. It might be video games. It could be whatever you think that you need to give up. The fear isn't necessarily changing. The fear is what you're going to lose when you do change. I can promise you, whatever you give up for the sake of the kingdom, God will replace it with greater and better, more anointed, more life-giving things that you can, than you could ever gain in your own strength and your own ability. This is why Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it because you're going to find your, your life in me. When you, when you lose yourself, when you die to yourself in me, you're really going to find your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Is that preaching in somebody's corner right there that needs to hear that? <laughs> the, Western, the Westernized church, I've said this a few times lately. I'm going to say it again. The Westernized church is very different than in really just human beings because it's becoming more flesh, more fleshy all the time. It's about what I want or about what makes me feel good or about what is going to help me and what I'm doing. And it's me, 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 me. When Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to come after me, you got to pick up your cross, which means you got to die. And then you can follow after me. But you can't drag all the rest of the world's stuff with you and really truly follow me. I'll go so far as to say you can be born again. You can get born again. All you got to do is just trust in the Lord and you'll be saved. There's a difference between being saved and being a disciple. 
There's a big difference between being converted and going to heaven and your life being totally sold out and committed to him 100%. In the, the westernized Christianity, we have our creature comforts, which I like many of them. But we're so driven by that. We're so driven by bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. When in reality, and for proof of this, this is why ministers don't do this. But if you ever see conferences, it'll be a faith conference. It'll be a blessing conference. It'll be how to go to a higher level conference. It'll be all of these kind of things, a, a prophetic conference. And I'm not against any of that stuff. But you know that they don't have dedication conferences. They don't have how to die to yourself conferences. They wouldn't go over very well here. I'm being serious. Now, many of those conferences, I go to those. I'm not, I'm not knocking them, all right? I, I, I agree with them. And it's probably a better way to advertise to get people in. And then you can tell them die to yourself when they're, when they're there or something. I don't know. But the truth is, is that we don't like to hear that message because we're afraid of what we're going to lose. Listen to me. You can never give up. You can never give up something that's worth more than what Jesus can give you. What he can give you is infinitely greater beyond measure than anything that you could come up with yourself. Amen. So let me go back and hit this real quick. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to steal the word. He wants to kill God's plan for your life. This is just what the Lord spoke to me. You could stay, say he wants to steal and kill and destroy other things. This is what God spoke to me concerning this today. He wants to steal the word. He wants to kill God's plan for your life. See, a lot of people think, oh, there's no way you can ever stop God's plan for my life. You better believe that you can stop God's plan for your life. It says in Psalms chapter 78, verse 41, it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. How is it possible that they could limit God? Because they simply didn't follow him. They didn't obey him. They didn't do what he was asking them to do. He loved them. They were still his children, but they limited what he could do in their life. If we don't, if we think for us, for we should never think. Let me say this this way. We should never think that God's will and plan is automatically going to come to pass in our life. That's one of the biggest heresies in the body of Christ happening right now. And it has been for years. It takes faith to make what God's grace has provided manifest in our life on any level, including what he's designed and purposed, purposed us for here on this earth. It takes us cooperating with the Lord in order for it to come to pass. So if the enemy, he's... He's not powerful, but he's really smart. If he can steal from you what God says about you, then you won't walk in a way that's according to what God says about you. Thus, he has not only stolen the word, but he's also killed the purpose as to which you're here and what God has you here for. He'll steal the word, and then he will kill everything about, that will kill everything about what God has called you to. Man, that's powerful. And then it says, not only is he there to kill, steal, and destroy, but so the destroying part, not just to kill and steal, but to destroy. And this is what the Lord showed me about destroying, is that the destroying is similar to when that bear was trying to, in my vision, was dismembering me, just going to completely rip me apart. And you know what the enemy wants to do? He wants to come into the soil of your heart. He doesn't just want to steal the word. He doesn't want to just kill the plans of God that God's put on the inside of you. 
He wants to disrupt the soil of your heart and contaminate it so bad that anytime you do try and go and put plant and put good seed in there that God has, it'll, it will stop and it'll snuff out what God has in your life. And so what happens is that the enemy, the way that he does this, it's not just through power, it's through the way that we think. He comes and he speaks through our, our, our thinking and our imagination and, and how we view things, how we view God, not just, and I point here as to the brain, but it's really the soul. And the soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your brain's the physical part of you, but your soul is, is part of your inward workings. And it's really part of your heart and how you're believing and thinking in your heart will determine where you go in your life. So if the enemy could come in and God's told you, you're going to do this, you're going to accomplish this, you're going to gain great wealth, whatever it is. You know, I've, I've seen people that have had three or four or five prophecies over them concerning great wealth in their life, that they have a special anointing on them for, for great wealth. And after so many years of not seeing it come to pass, the enemy comes in and says, you know that word that so-and-so said and that one word and when you were reading the scripture verse that one time, that was all coincidence. It really wasn't God. And as, as a matter of fact, the enemy disguises his voice and says, oh, it really wasn't me. The people think they're hearing God when in fact they're hearing the devil. Yeah. And then they start to believe a lie and they go, you know what, I guess, I guess that just really isn't for me because I've been drudging along here and I've had these words, but I don't know, it must have been coincidence or all of the people missed it or I didn't understand something. And then, then what happens is that the enemy has, has now planted a seed inside of your heart and it's almost like you got two seeds in there because part of you is going, well, I think that this is right, but I kind of think that maybe this is right and you know, I'm just not sure about this. And the Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Net, let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's not that God won't bless, but you can't be double-minded about what God says and the blessing manifests in your life. You have to get on what God says and you stick with it and you watch how the blessing will work. Yes. Amen. Amen. So then you got these two things in there and eventually, depending on what you meditate on, depending on what you are imagining and thinking about, just depending on that will make a difference on what seed in you will bear out. And so if the enemy can get you to take that word and begin to doubt the other word, and you actually, what we do is we put faith in the wrong word. And before we know it, we begin to build this tower, this stronghold on the inside of us, this image on the inside of us, and we begin to identify more in that case that I just laid out with poverty than prosperity. We begin to identify with it'll never work for me, it'll never happen for me, because my dad was poor and my mom was poor and my grandpa was poor, and I know these things have been spoken over me, but I'm just going to have the same life that they had, and I'm never going to rise to a new level. And now the enemy has got a full foothold if he's not already totally on the inside of you, just destroying you and beating you. And then what he does on top of that. So now he's got a seed planted in there. And then he goes in and he really wreaks havoc. And he says, as a matter of fact, this is God and it's not. The reason why those words won't come to pass is because you got this unconfessed sin in your life. 
Oh, let me confess it. And you go back into this works, this works thing of, God, I'm sorry I did this, and all that stuff. Oh, I confess it. God, what about, what about now? Well, you know, remember that person seven years ago when you, you, know, you said something you shouldn't have said, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and, and before you know it, he's hitting you on every single side because he's what? He's the accuser of the brethren. It says the day and night he accuses the saints. So that means that day and night, we have to continue to remind ourselves what God says about us and forget what he says. Just go ahead and just throw it to the dogs because nothing that comes out of his mouth is anything but a lie. He has no truth in him. But the people that have the ability, let me rephrase that, everybody has the ability, the people that choose to capitalize on the ability to think, to imagine, to meditate on what God says, those are the ones that are going to see the fruit come from what God says. It's all about how we think and perceive things. Let me show you this quickly in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We know this well, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Is anybody getting something out of this? 2 Corinthians 10. Man, this is life-changing. The enemy's a loser. He's nothing, but he is a liar, and we can't believe his lies. We can, but we shall not. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, or some translations say imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When it's talking about strongholds here, it's talking about a fortress or a castle. And some of us on the inside of us, we have made such an image of things that that image didn't come from God. God is the one that actually gave us the ability to, to create images on the inside of us so that what we build on the inside, we can build on the outside. Man, that deserved a bigger amen than that. God's the one that gave us the ability to create images on the inside, to build strongholds so that what we see on the inside, we can then see on the outside. I came to a point years ago when I really saw what Jesus had done for me and, and the fact that I was saved and that I was right with him, when that became a reality, I built such a stronghold of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that I am on the inside, that regardless of my actions on the outside, which were being changed and renewed day by day, regardless of some of the thoughts that I would think that weren't quite right, no matter what came my way, I built such an image that no, no matter what the enemy would throw my way, immediately I would cast it down because the image was so strong on the inside. And now I can glad, gladly tell you, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I am now living way more righteous on the outside than I was yesterday or last month or last year or 10 years ago. Because the image on the inside is starting to manifest itself on the outside. If you want to see what God has for you come to pass, you got to start to see it on the inside first. If you don't see it here, you're not going to see it there. This ability has come from God. It's come from heaven. And I believe that Christians have not learned how to capitalize on it. As a matter of fact, it says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of what things hoped for. 
Do you know what we do is we get into faith and we leave hope in the dust, largely because we probably haven't understood it totally. But just quickly, what hope is, is using your imagination in a positive way, in a God way, to where when you go and you faith for something, if you will, which means you speak it, you agree with what God says, you confess and and agree with, say the same thing as what God says about you, because real true Bible hope is on the inside of you, it's, there's an image there. God created an image with you working with him and you imagining, you sitting thinking about it. Because of that, when you release your faith, then the, then the power is released. Then things change. But what happens is we automatically, we, we'll, we'll get in this mode of we'll just pray for things and this, that, and the other. But we never really see on the inside that thing changing on the outside when we pray for it. That's why our prayers many times are left, left completely ineffective. If we'd be honest, the vast majority of people that we pray for, for physical healing, we don't see healed. And so this is where a lot of people get off and they go, well, it's just not God's will. Hogwash. I can show you 100 verses from the Bible that says different than that. It is God's will for people to be healed. But what happens is that we get into the mechanics of praying for people, and we'll even quote the, verse, the, the, the verses, we'll say all the right stuff, but yet we don't have a vision on the inside. We don't really see it. And oftentimes what will happen is that we'll pray, we'll say the right thing, and then we'll move right out of what we said in, quote, faith, and then we'll move right over into saying all of the, the, the other things, which is really the image that we have on the inside of us. This is why I don't allow people to build a vision on the inside of me. I build the vision on the inside of me. Me and God work to build what he wants on the inside of me. So when people say, if I got the, the sniffles going on and, and I'm, I'm dealing with stuff, they'll go, oh, you're sick. I'll say, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. I'm battling through something, but I am not sick. Oh, well, pastor, you're, uh, you're just in denial. Darn right I am. I'm denying what the devil says. I'm denying what my flesh says. I'm denying all the things opposite of what God says about me. Oh, you just think you could just be in faith and see it come to pass? Yes, because Jesus said we can. Let it be unto you according to your faith. But we also understand you can't just speak something and see it change. You have to build an image on the inside of what God says. And this is how the enemy has defeated us. And this is why it says here in 2 Corinthians 10 and in 5, it says casting down imaginations, the imaginations that come to us that are opposite of what God says. We need to cast them down, throw them down, have nothing to do with it. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. God has a knowledge. There is a knowledge about God that's beyond natural things. It's beyond natural reasoning. It's beyond natural understanding. But when we know what it is and God has quickened it to us, he showed it to us by faith, we should refuse to agree with or believe anything different than what God says. In every word, here's what it says. In Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 17, it says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. How many of y'all believe that? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I believe that with everything in me. And it says that every evil word that rises in judgment, you shall condemn. See, it's not just judgment like, oh, they were being so judgmental. It's things concerning even your future that the enemy would speak in your ear. 
When God says that you are going to be, and I believe this about our church, regardless of what some goofballs in the name of Jesus they've said, God bless them, that we won't arise to any kind of level, that you can't have a spirit-filled, tongue-talking, worshiping church that sits at the feet of Jesus. You can't have that in Perryville. You know what I do? I say, that's not going to build an image in my heart and my mind because I know what God says about Overcomer's Church. I know what he says about Perryville. I know the glory of God that has been and will be manifest right here in this church, in these walls, with these people that's going to spread out throughout the rest of the world. I know what God says. So then what I do is I don't get mad at the people, but on the inside I say, get behind me, Satan. Jesus was a little more bold, I guess, than me because he said it right to Peter. Get, Get behind me, Satan. But that's what we need to do when that stuff comes. Every evil word that rises in judgment, you shall condemn. It says that you condemn it. Words are weapons. Words are weapons of the enemy, and words are weapons in the kingdom of God. You want to know how the battle is won in the spirit, or how it's lost in the spirit? And then what happens and manifests outwardly, it's all with words. The enemy says something, God says something. And the Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That means a two-mouthed sword. So when God says something, and then we say something, one edge of the sword is God's word, which we have to come in agreement with what he says, but then when we speak it, that's what causes things to change. But it's not just speaking it, but it's having the right image built on the inside of us, so when we're speaking it, we're releasing it, we're releasing what is actually true. You see, people think that, I don't have time to get into this right now, I I have to pray for some people. But the way, that we, the way that we think, it's, it's not, we're not talking about fantasy. You can use your imagination and you can fantasize about things. Kids are into the, all of the Disney stuff. And I'm not talking bad about that, but, you know, <laughs> the Roadrunner and the, the Coyote, no matter how many times the roadrunner outsmarts the coyote, he still keeps trying to go after him, and it always backfires on him. He gets run over, he gets whatever, and he pops right back up. How many of y'all know that that is not reality? That's fantasy. And I'm not saying it's bad. It's a pretty good cartoon, I guess, or whatever. That's fine. But when we're talking about using your imagination, it's not about things that, that don't exist. It's just about things you can't see. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You can say, well, I don't believe that someone's healed until I see it. Oh, so what you're saying is you don't believe what God says concerning his word, so you're really not in faith, and you're just like Thomas, and you won't really believe something until you can see it. That's not what causes the kingdom of God to work. Because when God spoke to Abraham and he dealt with Abraham, he told him to call those things that were not as though they were that be not as though they were. But he wasn't saying to believe in something that didn't exist because when God says something, it's already in existence. And when God says, and I'm going to make you a father of many nations, I'm going to make you whatever it is that God says about you, it's already true in the spirit. So when we say what God says, we're not speaking a lie, we're not speaking fantasy, we're speaking the realities of God in the spirit. And when we build that image on the inside of us and then we 
release it with words of faith, knowing it's his power that makes it so, and us just cooperating with it. We have no power in and of ourselves, but we cooperate with God. That's when we see the thing come to pass. Please stand to your feet. Sir, would you come and lead us in song? Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.